Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey. I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Ladies and gentlemen, it is episode 324 of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your co-host, Troy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jason. And it has been a rough week to watch wrestling. I have to be honest. It, it, it was hard to get through this one. These are the sacrifices I make for you, the loyal listeners of the Rundown. Boy, I oh, I agree. This one, <laughs> this one wasn't great. Uh, SmackDown was maybe a little bit better than Raw, but we'll get into that. Um... But let's you know let's let's scrape the bottom of the barrel and try to find a couple of stories to talk about. Um, man, what would be a good number of stories to talk about? Um, well, we could we could do fifteen. Ah, seems like a lot. Could, you know, we've got predictions coming up too. Maybe we, maybe we should shrink it down a little bit. How about seven? Seven good? Ah, I don't like odd numbers. Ah, fair point. Um, let's see. What we, if we split the difference? Uh, about. Ten. The perfect ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. That's right. The perfect ten. And we're gonna start this off. Ugh. Slim pickings. Uh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and let's talk about the topic that I don't really want to talk about. <laughs> and that is the WWE. You have a specific one, but let's just talk overall. The WWE made a trip to India. And two big things came out of this. One, Triple H could not decide to put over Jinder Mahal, even in India. He still made him lose. <laughs> even though Triple H laid down for Roman Reigns, then the, the, uh, the event before that. And we also had what was originally misquoted as saying the first women's match in India, uh, uh-uh, impacted that a couple months ago. This was now relabeled. A couple years as, ago. A couple years ago, sorry. This was now relabeled as the first women's championship match right. in India. Um, you know, so of course we're going to to try to break down the walls here and 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 do something monumental by having women, you know, fight in India. But we're also going to adhere to their terrible 500 year old customs and make them wear full body suits. Uh, so. Well, uh, you I know. believe, if I'm not mistaken, to not have them fully covered would have been a violation of law over there. So, uh, unless you want to see Sasha. Now, Sasha in an Indian prison might make for an interesting thing on Total Divas or something, or Alexa, because she's actually on the show. Um, but I'm not necessarily sure the girls would be on board for that. 
Well, goddamn, it'll get some uh, get some attention from the media. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll start with the part that sort of I found interesting because the internet has decided to make a huge deal out of the fact that Triple H uh, had Jinder do the job for him in India. Uh, I I'm gonna maybe this will shock you. I don't know. I don't really have a problem with this, and I don't really get the outrage. To be completely honest, um, Jinder lost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of matches, and no one gave a shit. And now he loses this one, and everyone's all up in arms. Yes, he lost in India. Add him to the long, long list of people who have lost in their hometowns in recent memory in the Thank WWE. You. It happens all the time. Uh, yes, he did it to Triple H who is a, you know, executive in the company. Uh, he's also a Hall of Famer, and Jinder's profile is raised simply by being in the ring with Triple H. Um, Triple H, Jinder didn't need the win to be over in India. He was already over. He was going to be over, win or lose. Now, the other side of that coin, Triple H doesn't need the win to be over either, and I understand that. However... Triple H got a huge face reaction, as did Jinder. So it wasn't. This wasn't really a big deal. Triple H did the job to Roman. In order, and we talked about this with uh, Dolph Ziggler in his appearance on ENC last week. For a guy to be over, to be useful in putting guys over, he has to still get wins. Otherwise, there's no credibility to beating him. Jinder went in there, had a competitive match with a guy who's been one of the best in recent years, in, in the last decade. Um, and, and went in there and had a close competitive match, and he ended up losing. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's really not. Because fuck it. Who cares? And, pe- you know, well, of course, people yeah. turned it into, oh, well, the, the guy who runs NXT is not putting over the young talent. First off, Jinder is not young talent. Okay? Jinder is an older guy by by this business's comparison. You know, he's been around for a long time. Um He's not a guy that's going to... He's not a guy on the upswing. If anything, he's on the downswing at the moment. And yes, he was in India. How many matches do you think William Regal lost when they went over to London? Because I remember a lot of those raw broadcasts where he not only lost matches, but was humiliated in London because Vince finds that shit funny. Jim Ross had to kiss Vince's ass in Oklahoma. This is not a new formula, and I don't really get why people were up in arms about it. Because people got to bitch about something. I guess. Yeah. But, you know, eh, fuck I, it. I, I'm, more cons- I'm more curious about the postscript you put on the, uh, on the news <laughs> item there. Well, it was it was difficult because I was like, I'm like, I kind of want to talk about Enzo Mori being a dick. But right, I don't, I'll have I'll, at it. I also, also don't really want to have anything with, uh, you know, uh, didn't want to remove anything else from this. That's fine. Throw so, it in there. Uh, that's what she said. Uh, <clears throat> so, I I actually have been enjoying Enzo Amore as as of late. Uh, I'm still a little perplexed by the whole Nia Jax thing, but whatever. It, it's not a big deal. Drew Gulak has been doing amazing work, obviously. Uh, and <laughs> Enzo kind of just... So, first of all, they, they got rid of Tony Nese, I guess, from their little gang. And I... You know, so we'll see what happens there. But I like I like the fact that they kind of teased Drew Gulak, have a little dissension because you you know Tony Nese stood up for him before. And yes, I'm putting a lot of effort into talking about 205 Live, and that's weird, but that's okay. But did you These... actually watch the 205 Live show this week? No. All right, we haven't no. gotten there yet. 
No, we haven't gotten there yet. Okay. But I have, I have, I, I actually know a little bit of what's going on with end with the Enzo train and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed Enzo just kind of being a dick to everybody, being a dick to his own people, turning around and saying that Drew Gulak isn't his friend; he works for him. Which does that mean that he pays him? Because that's that's interesting. That's an interesting concept to think of. Um, and then, of course, Enzo, you know, following his own dick and just caring more about Nia Jax than about Drew Gulak standing in front of him and Gulak saying that he was going to become the Cruiserweight Champion. Yeah, and and I guess my only real input on this would be that I continue to fucking hate this Nia Jax Enzo angle because uh, the reality of things is I this doesn't to me this takes Nia out of her role as a monster as a killer and she's a monster she's becoming just comic relief with Enzo and you know it, it this again goes back to we talk about this all the time on the show hashtag women's revolution but the only way Vince thinks you can get a woman over is by pairing her with a guy and that that's not the case this woman could be a dominant force this woman could be awesome Kong this woman could be you know the um Aja Kong. These women could be the the big, fearsome, giant monsters of the women's division. All they have to do is book them right. <laughs> and they can't fucking get that through their heads. They have to... Oh. oh, well, she's a big girl, so it'd be funny if somebody... Lo- you know what? Fuck, pal. We got a fat girl on the roster. You know what would be funny? If somebody had a crush on the fat chick. Because that shit wouldn't happen. <laughs> Let's book that. Like I also... Yeah, it, it also is weird because Enzo is taller than Nia Jax. So considering that she's supposed to be this monster, and yet like the smallest dude ever is still taller than her, kind of kind of deflates it a little bit too. I'm not sure he's tall, the smallest yeah, look at dude it. He's, ever. Well, he's not the sp- but he's he's presented as a joke, and he's everyone makes fun of him. You know, him being kind of small and being a cruiserweight. So the fact that he is smaller than Nia Jax is also kind of like a it's a big fat chick with a little dude. That's funny, but he the little dude's kinda of bigger than her. So Yeah. Fat it's, chick it's, with a little dude. It's your typical WWE bullshit. So moving moving on from there. Um ooh. Uh <laughs> I'm gonna make that i am gonna make that same noise for every single time I have to pick the next topic. <laughs> I'm, oh, oh you asshole, I was doing it up for you. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna do. All right, I'm just gonna. There we go. All right. Uh, no, you dick. What are you doing? <laughs> For those listening at home, Jason has just completely fucked up the perfect <laughs> the rundown rundown that we use. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm I'm not touching anything now. The problem with Google Docs is that we can both edit at the same time. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So breaking down uh, the wall. That's right. Uh, I guess we should talk about mm, this. So just making a shit? No, no. uh, I also wasn't coming. (laughs) Although I I know that people might think that. No, that was a clip of Matt Hardy laughing. At least when. Okay, this is going to be a a little bit of a rant on my part. At least when Bray Wyatt laughs. Let me just get comfortable here for a second. Okay. At least when Bray Wyatt laughs, it's an actual laugh. Um, Matt Hardy's laugh 
it, when he does his little like, ah, that's fine. Cause that's a real laugh. What he did at the end of this promo was fucking garbage. His little like, it's, it's a fucking joke at that point. So first of all, I didn't like the fact that they have a little like transition now between the two. I thought that the, that the promo worked much better last week when it was just him kind of like glitching into it. But now they do a whole like little like woken and it shatters because, you know, we got to do something on it. <clears throat> and yeah, so yet another nonsensical promo. The problem was it was yet another nonsensical promo. Like we didn't we didn't do anything new here. Last week was really good because it kind of set the stage. And they're just like, let's double down and do it again. But that's boring because, well, this didn't do anything. This didn't advance anything other than being like, look, we have a graphics department and they made things. So I guess that that is the, that is the new like Woken Matt Hardy thing is, you know, his little darp is now the little saying Woken and it's shattering. So it's I guess broken. he's like, the Woken yeah, because he's broken. broken. Yeah. Get it? Get it? Yeah. It's a little, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a little nudge. It's a little nudge. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, Matt's, Matt's promo was fine. It was just the fucking laughing at the end that just put me over the top on it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the la- it's supposed to be campy. It's supposed to be hokey. So I guess I, that part didn't bother me. I had uh, actually a very similar reaction to you did, which you did, which was sort of like, okay, I saw this last week. What's new? What are we, what are we doing that moves, moves us forward in any direction? Uh, and there was really nothing there that moved you anywhere. It was the exact same thing we saw the week before with different dialogue. Um, you know, I, at some point, I think we need to see Matt get out there and, and do this gimmick in front of the live crowd and wrestle and sort of develop this character within the WWE universe because we haven't seen it yet in the WWE uh, lexicon. It's only been in TNA. So you need to develop it. You can't just rely on the fact that people know what it is. So so the, for the WWE fans who have never seen Impact, and it's probably a decent amount of the fan base, uh, they may have a cursory knowledge of what Broken Matt is, but they don't really know it. So, so far, all they've seen is the same thing twice, and they still don't know. And I think you need to start moving it forward and showing them different things. Get them out there in the ring. Get them out for a live face-to-face promo with Bray Wyatt. Just do something that's not the same thing you just did. My fear is that this is going to be one of those deals where we have weeks and weeks and weeks of the same thing, and that, I think, would be a disservice and damaging to the angle. Well, the issue, too, is obviously Raw doesn't have a pay-per-view until Royal Rumble, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing that, yeah. So, obviously, you know, that's what they're building towards right now. So, I, I don't think we're going to see them actually square off on Raw. But then again, it's WWE. They don't care about pay-per-views anymore, so because uh, it's not really pay-per-view. Right. So we could see it, but yeah, I I would rather see them maybe do an in-ring thing. You know, have Bray like maybe sit in his rocking chair, something other than just this again. Right. And you know that's always been kind of the problem with WWE is they, you know, it wasn't even like a slow burn because you have two people who talk nonsense, talking to each other nonsense not even like, talking to each other talking to a camera yeah in different rooms at different times right yeah ex- exactly so they, they can't play off each other like we want to see them because yeah they're obviously not filming this is at, at the same time but also yeah we don't you know it's it's 
at least when when you have other people doing promos against each other, they you know they they bring up things that are going on. These two do not talk about current events at all, especially Matt Hardy, who continues to talk about things from way back in the past. So yeah, they, this this wasn't good. Yeah, and and honestly. You, if you want to do the promo battle for a second week in a row, or even a third or fourth week in a row, you can do that. But having Matt debut last week in front of the the you know wrinkled curtain was fine. This week, have him do something at the Hardy compound. Have him do something on a cliff. Like visually change it up to make it look different at least. Then you can do the same thing, and it still feels different. That I think would have been the small little thing that they could have done that would have changed my whole opinion of it. Yeah, I feel you on that. Uh, so, going from that, um, let's go ahead and talk about the the downer this this week. Uh, so, Lillian Garcia, who I didn't realize had a podcast. This is um, like her fourth podcast. She's had like two episodes of everything so far. This is the well, new this one, one the, Chasing Glory. This, so, yeah, Chasing Glory. This one she's got like twenty episodes on, so she's doing some more. But she wound up having Paige on. And Paige has not really done too many podcasts. She actually brings up the fact that, you know, she's turned down a lot of podcast opportunities to talk about the struggles that she's had this past year. And I, you know, I haven't listened to any of the other um, Lillian Garcia episodes yet. So I don't I don't know how she is overall. But in this one, I really felt that um, she was lacking as a host. Um, she really, if it wasn't for the fact that Paige just kept talking and just kept bringing, bringing you know, the, the story out there, this podcast would have been about nothing because Lynn Garcia did not ask her really any questions. She would ask her like one question and Paige would just go off on all these different tangents, which was entertaining, but you need to kind of rein in the person that you have, you know, if you, for a good example of this, listen to the rundown sit down with Jason and you know this she didn't there were certain points where as as a fan listening to this i wanted to know more about certain things and lillian just didn't ask the questions mm-hmm. um specifically with you know the relationship with alberto del rio page kind of brought it up and then you could tell didn't really want to talk about it but that's where your your interviewee interviewer needs to be like let's go into this a little bit more let's let's try to shed a little bit more light on this you know, and try to get more of the story on that because we really didn't get any of it in terms of her relationship with, with ADR. And I understand, you know, that's a personal thing, but, you know, they're done now. And ADR has come out and bashed Paige and blamed everything on her. And she didn't retort. And Lillian, Lillian didn't really set her up to retort. Um, now, did you actually listen to the podcast yourself? Uh, I haven't. I have it on my my queue to listen to. I just haven't actually gotten around to it yet. I do plan to at some point when I get a few minutes, a little bit of time to dedicate to it. Um, but I did read a lot of the transcripts and see a lot of the stuff. Uh, to your point in regards to um, her not getting into too much of the ADR stuff, I can tell you with the sit downs is one of the first things I do before we even start recording is I, I'll talk to the guest. I'll be like, listen, is there anything you specifically do not want to talk about? Um, because your guest is giving you their time. They're giving you their voice. They're lending you know, what their credibility to your show. And 
in the future, you don't want to have other guests give you a bad reputation because, you know, I really don't want to talk about this. And this asshole kept bringing it up and wouldn't let it go. Um, so that may have very well have been what happened there. There may have been a thing where Paige, before they ever started doing the show, said, listen, I, I know this is the thing everybody wants to talk about. I'm really not inclined to, to get in there and, you know, sort of sling dirt about him. I, you know, it, we'll mention it in cursory because people have some interest, but I really don't want to get in depth on it. And if that's the case, then Lillian as the host sort of has to respect that. So I, I don't know if that's the case that happened here. Uh, I would sort of hope so, because if you're going to do a podcast interviewing people, I would hope you'd kind of be able to figure out what the, get your finger on the pulse of what people want to know about. But um, that may have been the case. I personally, in, in reading some of the transcripts, was really struck by how honest and open Paige was about a lot of things. Yeah, I, I agree. She did. She was an open book on a lot of this. Um, she, you could tell that she has really, um, really grown up a lot in the last year too, because she takes a lot of personal responsibility for the things that she's done, uh, which we obviously know she was not doing um, earlier this year. Uh, in you know, again, you know, she even brings up the fact that she was really, really made a mistake on trying to claim that her suspension wasn't for drugs, you know. Um, you know, and she kind of does a little Mia Culpa apology, apology tour on that, um, and admits that, yeah, I was, I was doing recreational drugs and that's what I got suspended for. Um, it was nice to hear her, you know, she's very complimentary towards the WWE, you know, specifically Mark Carano, um, Rosa Mendez and, uh, Triple H during it, you know, kind of saying that they stood by her and, Rosa Mendez got her in touch with some people that helped her, and Carano obviously was also really instrumental in getting her the help that she needed too. And that's that's good to hear that story, considering that usually what we hear from WWE is the really bad stories. So, and they could have easily given up on this chick, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And we're we're all happy for it because you know we got Paige back, and it seems like she's back into a good place in her life. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I really enjoyed about at least. What I, what I read was uh, that she seems to have really sort of emotionally leveled off. And there was a segment in there where she talked about how when the leaks came out, uh, just being on social media got so bad uh, that she almost she, she had thoughts of suicide. And, of course, this comes on the heels, and yeah, I'll say it, uh, of a week where we saw a famous adult film star kill herself due to cyberbullying and social media pressure. So that, that shit is real. Um, and you have to have a certain degree of responsibility when you get on the internet. And I know there's an idea that these people are famous and they don't give a shit what I think. So I can say whatever they want, but don't be like an asshole and go to her mom's Twitter page and post pictures of her with jizz all over her face on that, on that person's social media. Who would do something like that? You just can't do that shit. Um, but she also was very, one of the things I found very interesting was she was um, very apologetic for how this whole thing had affected Xavier Woods um, mm-hmm. at one point, just you know, saying she felt horrible about what he had to deal with. And it's sort of like, girl, I mean, so there's a video of him banging a hot chick and showing his giant dong. I'm, I'm sure he, the standards are different for him because he's a dude. Sad, wrong as it may be, it is what it is. And we live in a culture where dudes get patted on the back for that shit, where women get slut-shamed. 
And, you know, she is the one. I, I would just venture to say she took a lot more problems from that release than he did. Right. And, and, and I mean the release of the video before you say anything. Oh, else. oh, okay, okay. All right. Back on track. Um, I was a little worried that uh, Time Traveling Adam was going to get name-checked on it. So I was, <laughs> I was glad she didn't go into specifics on that. Um, rest in peace, Time Traveling Adam. Uh, bad, bad, bad incident when he went back uh, into colonial times. Uh, R.I.P. The other thing was, yeah, like, like you said, um, you know, WB allowed a, jo- a few jokes to be made at Xavier Woods' expense on TV. Um, thankfully, not at the expense of Paige. But yeah, uh, you know, the, the two jokes that we got from Xavier Woods were just like, yeah, okay, you know, nobody seems to really care that he was a part of this. You know, everyone was more, you know, looking at Paige. And, you know, Paige, Paige does do a good job of kind of saying, like, you know, girls, you got to be smart about it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, she she seems to put blame on Brad Maddox without blaming Brad Maddox outright. You know, she talks about, you know, she she was doing this to try to make somebody happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't actually say, like, he's the one who leaked him. But it's kind of clear that she blames him because she does she does not have the same regard for him as she does for Xavier Woods. Yeah, he sort of this whole thing from the beginning, he sort of came out looking like the piece of shit in this whole situation. But, you know, I mean, that's obviously outside perspective. We don't know any of the inner workings of the whole thing. But I think the biggest takeaway for me, like you said, was just it seems like she has really turned a corner and is in a much better place. And I think that when she came back, I sort of made mention of you can just she looks like a different person, like she's relaxed and happy and in a good place in her life when you watch her on screen. Uh, even more so than before she left. And that's just great to see in this interview sort of was validation of that th- that theory. So good for her. Not only that, but she also looks healthy again, too. Yes. Because we saw, we saw some pictures that we were starting to get a little worried about. Yeah. Uh, which also she brings up on the podcast, too, about her losing weight and apparently losing a lot of her hair because yeah. she currently has clips in. So, yeah. uh, But, you know, hopefully she can, you know, continue down the right path here. Um, but going on from there, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, um, what do you want to talk about, sir? Well, let's talk about the thing that I'm probably most surprised by is the fact that I find myself actually getting into the Bludgeon Brothers at this point. Super Smash Brothers, but whatever you want to call them. (laughs) And I didn't expect that. I was very critical when they started airing the vignettes. I didn't think they were... I thought it was corny and and hokey. And and there's still a certain element about that. But when they made their actual debut, if you recall, I said, you know, I I thought the entrance was actually pretty cool. I liked the way they did it. They walked from the opposite sides with the black, you know, hoods on. And, like, I would take the sheet mask away because, to me, that's a throwback to the Wyatt family. And let's get rid of all kind of mentions of that and let's just be the new the Wyatt family now and away from the Wyatt family and just be the Bludgeon Brothers at this point um, but the, the way they're booking them to be just dominant and sort of like Braun Strowman-ish in the way they're just destroying these uh, enhancement talents I think this is a good look for these guys I think and they've always been talented as a team and now to sort of be given some attention and some push I think they might be going in the right direction yeah, I hope it winds up being, you know, that they win the tag team titles, you know, somewhere down the line here. Um, but question for you. Better scream Paige's intro 
or the jobber that got powerbombed. Oh, the jobber that got powerbombed, because screaming <laughs> is in his fucking name. Like, he was like, fuck you, I'm getting my gimmick in. Um, yeah. So, so that actually happened. And hats off to uh, L- former LPW star uh, Colin Delaney for his appearance here. I think it was LPW uh, he appeared for. Uh, but, yeah, he returned. Made his WWE return, if you will, and mm-hmm. getting destroyed by the Bludgeon Brothers. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a nice little thing for him, and obviously, you know, my my love for Harper has been you know well documented on the show, so any any chance that we get to have it, you know, um, have him get a little bit more of, of, a, of a shine on him was great, and uh, obviously we've got uh, you know he's gonna him and and Rowan are gonna get set up to uh, destroy Breezango at the pay per view. So yeah, looks that oh, way. spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> Predictions coming later. Coming later. Yep, coming later. Yep. Um, all right, speaking of badasses, uh, so Samoa Joe and the bar went to war with the Shield. Um, we had, uh, boy, match of the of the month here between Roman Reigns and Cesaro. I'm sure Cesaro and, just carried Roman Reigns to that match, though. Oh, totally, totally. Yep. You know, Roman's, yeah, Roman, Roman have... can't wrestle. So, I mean, guy has tremendous matches every time out, regardless of who he's in the ring with. But he gets carried a lot because you know he's, I know, he's I know. not very good at this wrestling thing. It's it's weird that they keep putting him with such good guys. Yeah, you know, and and he just keeps getting carried. But yeah, um, and for those of you at home, that was called fucking sarcasm because Roman Reigns yeah. is fucking excellent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The the match that they put on was great. Um, the only the only issue I kind of took with this was how dumb Dean Ambrose looked through this whole thing, because <laughs> they have this weird thing where Samoa Joe is kind of calling out Roman Reigns. And they cut to the back, and Ambrose and Rollins are kind of like just watching on TV, and they're talking to each other like, uh, okay, well, whatever. And then then Seth is like, hey, Dean, uh, you're a piece of shit. Go get Roman, because you're, you're a whipping boy. Uh, didn't he say, and, go get the big dog? Go get the big dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is just like, so, so what was Roman Reigns doing during this, that he wasn't with the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Was he in the back jerking off? Was he taking a shit? I don't know. But for whatever reason, they had to go fetch him. He was doing bog dog things. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, you know, Dean's just like, yo, yo, I got this. I'm going to go get choked out. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he definitely did. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And they ended up having three singles matches. It was Roman and Cesaro, uh, Seth and Sheamus and Joe and Dean. And for me, Joe and Dean was definitely the lesser of the three matches. Uh, I actually had high, that was the one I had the highest expectation for going into it. And it continued my streak of seeing Dean Ambrose matches on paper, being very intrigued and then being disappointed by the actual execution of them. Uh, I don't know if that's on it's him. It's almost like he's not a very good wrestler. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like he should be. I feel like I should like these matches. And then they get in there, and it's like his, his feud with Jericho. I was excited for that. And then it happened. And I was like, okay. His feud with Kevin Owens. And I thought I should love it. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right. And then I looked at it, and it said graphics. Oh, we got Dean Ambrose versus Samoa Joe. Like, oh, that'll be a hell of a match. And then it just wasn't. And so... Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just <clears throat> not down with, with him. I have no idea. But I didn't enjoy that one. I enjoyed the shit out of the other ones. I thought the other matches were great. I thought, and I'm not a huge fan of Sheamus, largely watching his style in the ring. I don't find it that engaging. Um, but 
he's sort of turned a corner for me since he joined up with Cesaro too. I, I find myself enjoying him a lot more, and I thought that match was great. So, uh, do you have the uh, the news story about Sheamus? Yeah, uh, I believe. Well, I think I touched on it last week, but feel free to. Okay, I really hope that uh, that what we've heard is is not actually true or not as serious as we've heard with she- with Sheamus. You know talking about the spinal stenosis, talking about the neck injury and him contemplating retirement. You know, it's it's an injury that's taken edge from us. And um who else who else had spinal stenosis? Sting. Sting, that's right, yeah. Um but oh that was that was, you know, totally Seth Rollins' fault. I believe um, Angle has a small as as a low degree stenosis yeah. as well. Yeah. So if that that's the case, that's gonna be a real bummer because um, I've, I've liked Seamus for a while. You know, he's been kind of miscast sometimes as, as a face. He's, he's far better as a heel and, you know, he's, he's had a great career. I, I would say probably Hall of Fame worthy. Um, certainly he's borderline not, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's not what I would consider like, not that there's ballots, but he, I wouldn't consider him like a first ballot guy. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Coco beware's in that bitch. So that's, yeah. see, that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like he'll get in because he's friends with Triple H and he's a company guy. Yeah. Um. But if you look at merits, you know he's he's had a really good career to him. It would really suck to lose him, uh, because he is doing doing good work and you know he's he's got a unique look to him. But um, you know, like I said, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, the only other thing I would say about this was, um, with with Rollins. <sighs> His his knee finisher, which they have now just taken to be to calling the knee, which it's no I longer hope the not, King's Landing. So yeah, it's no longer the King's Landing because it, you know, Game of Thrones isn't on TV right now. It will be once it comes back. Well, he was he's uh, not feuding with the King of Kings anymore, and he's not right. the Kingslayer anymore. So right. so now they they don't know what to call it. They're, the the fact that Michael Cole said the knee out of nowhere bothered the piss out of me because. <laughs> Sheamus misses the bro kick. Rollins then sets up to to deliver the knee. Sheamus turns around and he hits him with the knee. That was like seven seconds after Sheamus missed the bro kick that he hit him with the knee. That's not out of nowhere. <laughs> All right, there was like a whole setup to it. He was kind of doing his little like, "I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you." That's not out of nowhere. Orton, Orton with an RKO out of nowhere. That's out of nowhere where he just snaps and grabs you and and pulls you down. Taking ten, ten seconds to set up your move is not out of nowhere. Yeah, out out of nowhere is Orton's thing, and it shouldn't be applied to anybody else. That's like, ah, oh, here comes Braun Strowman, the big dog. Like, no, that's that's assigned to someone. You can't fucking use that elsewhere. It's it's associated with one person. Um, yeah, they should just call it the Omega knee. Oh, come on. Well, <laughs> Omega is the end of the Greek alphabet, and it's the end of the match. So it's the Omega oh, knee. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Why? What did you think I, I meant? Oh, nothing, nothing. Never mind. Uh, so over on Raw, uh, I'm not. I'm, I refuse to call him that. PMS had <laughs> another another segment where, um, you know, they, you know, they they ran their mouth a little bit, um, and we've been kind of doing this little like, is Asuka a part of Absolution? Is she not? Kind of thing. <clears throat> Apparently, she's not because. Um, you know, she got bailed out by the rest of the raw women, um, and then they wound up, you know, forcing Still the the riot. Right. Yeah, I know. They, <laughs> they wound up. 
So they wound up beating the shit out of out of the the riot family, and you know, and kicking their asses out of there. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Never mind. That was on SmackDown. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, the Raw women actually kicked the shit out of Absolution and pushed them back, um, which you know sets up a lumberjack match. Oh, sorry. That's also SmackDown. Um, it's just it's just fucking find a replace. And the script at this point with these these two, I am gonna I'm gonna combine them together. Absolution and the Riot family, they're doing the exact same thing with on both shows. They literally booked the exact same angle for for both groups on the same show yeah. on on this. So they they both come out, they both get into it with somebody uh, you know an upper tier female talent on Raw. It was Asuka. on SmackDown. It ended up being Naomi. Um, they, well, it was Charlotte first, so then it was Naomi. Well, it was Charlotte first, but the big one-on-one. First off, there's like this giant, oh, Naomi's back. She's been off TV for like a week. Let's yeah. fucking settle down a little bit. This wasn't like a <clears throat> month-long fucking absence. When Becky Lynch comes back, then you can do that because she's been gone now for a few weeks. Um, yeah, and they so they do that angle, and then all of a sudden, on both shows, every member of the female locker room comes out to attack them. And mm-hmm. I'm all like, Why? Like, as, as so, I sort of get it with the Riot family because they've sort of gotten into it with everybody else, and, and they're setting up a lumberjack match. And okay, fine. With Absolution, they've gone after Mickey, they've gone after Sasha, they've gone after Bailey, Alicia Fox, by the way, with the worst injury cell in the history of professional yeah. wrestling. Well, Alicia Fox is the worst ever, so... She looked like she just hit her funny bone on the way to the ring and then couldn't make her way out there. Like, she was barely... But then she was okay. She couldn't wrestle, but she was okay to come out and participate in the group beatdown, which was good to see. Um, right. God, I hate her. Uh, anyway, the uh, so then they, they all run up. But, but on Raw, they, they've gone after those girls, but the fuck reason does Nia have to go out there? Nia and Alexa. Well, they did attack Alexa last week, so they. they oh, they, yeah, that that is right. Yep, yep, you're right. You're there right. is at least that, but fucking reason does Nia have? They haven't touched Nia. Nia's, Nia's right. off trying to bang Enzo. She hasn't been a part of anything. Yeah, it did not make any sense for having to have Nia out there with him. Because I was like, well, wait, like, first of all, it doesn't make any sense because why the fuck would Alexa and Nia care? You know, and and Alexa has done a really good job the last couple of weeks of just kind of slinking away while everyone else is still right. in the ring. Um, but yeah, but, like but now said, she's full on team Becky and Sasha or Bailey and Sasha, which, make, which makes no fucking sense because right. she hates these six. Yeah, no, this is just this was awful. Um, yeah, the Riot family one was the, the problem with the Riot family. I think I mentioned this last week or, or the week before, is that it is going to be viewed as a carbon copy of Absolution. But they first off, there's there's at least an explanation and a thread that ties Absolution together. There's no thread that ties these fucking girls together. They were never a unit in NXT. They were never friends or on, t- on screen together in NXT. They weren't friends on backstage videos like with Bailey and Sasha and Bailey and Carmella. You sort of saw some of that in, in behind-the-scenes stuff on the network. There's nothing tying these girls together, and none of them on their own is a top-flight star. So there is no linchpin that holds them all together. There's no centerpiece to the group. Um there's no real focal point, and I think it's going to become very easy for these girls to get lost in the shuffle because of that, unless they start to set themselves apart. And being a carbon copy of what happened on Raw is not a good way to set them apart. Right, exactly. Um, you know, bullseye on that one because when you look at PMS, you've got Paige, 
you've got Paige who's a focal point. She's got the longevity. She's got the got the pedigree to her. And the credibility. And, she's got, and the credibility, as well as the fact she's got the menace. She looks menacing. We know what she can do. Sonya Deville is an ass kicker. You know, she's got the whole MMA thing. Uh, Mandy Rose obviously doesn't look that tough, but you understand why they're together. Well, she's and you look over, She looks like a muscle, very muscular woman. Like, she, she could do some damage. Right. You look over uh, Plus, on SmackDown. Plus, goddamn. Go, sorry. Yeah. You look <laughs> over on SmackDown, and Ruby Riot does not have that intensity that Paige does. She doesn't. She doesn't come off as a natural heel, in my opinion. And then you've got Liv Morgan, who, you know, is cute as a button. And then you've got, you know, Sarah Logan. Whatever, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Uh, You've got Sarah Logan, who is strapped with his gimmick, and none of them really, I don't really feel intimidated by any of them, you know? They all seem to be playing bad girl rather than being bad girls. Right. And like you said, there's there's no storyline there. It would have made more sense if instead of these three women, that they instead had the iconic duo and somebody like Nikki Storm. Or sorry, Nikki Cross. Um, or because Tony least, Storm. Yeah, or Tony Storm, yeah. But yeah, Nikki Cross at least has that intensity that, you know, yes, you'd have to split her up from sanity, but who cares at this point? And you have the iconic girls who obviously are... are a, a team together. They've got a reason to, to form together, and then they've actually been in a match with Nikki Cross. Whereas, like you said, these women have not even faced each other, and there's nothing that says that Ruby Riot would ever hang out with either of these two chicks. Right. They don't have, you know, I, I understand that PMS doesn't feel like they've ever hung out before, but like you said, they have that whole whole tough enough thing before. You know, to to fall back on. So well, and Mandy that, and Sonya are all over social media as best best friends anyway. So I mean, there is right. there is a tie to them that that's that's right. there. Right. I also, you know, um, I'm really happy with the fact that, you know, not maybe not not as many people and people know that Sony Deville is actually an op open openly gay yep. wrestler. And they don't mention it at all, which is great, because it's not a focal point of, of her. It's not her character. Her character is she could fucking break your fucking arm off, you know? So they're, they're doing a really good job of that. You know, she's going to be able to get over with that. Mandy Rose, obviously, you know, she's got she's got her shit in the past there, um, where people know her a little bit from Total Divas. Uh, but moreover, you know, she's, you know, she'll, she'll be fine. But I don't I don't feel the same about the SmackDown girls. Yeah, and Sonya Deville with the, one of my favorite female catchphrases ever with the put your hair up and square up. I just love that. I think that's a great one. Um, but to your point, if you really wanted to do something like you're doing with the Riot Squad, you wanted a three-woman squad on SmackDown, how fucking amazing would it have been if you had just left Emma there and brought the iconic girls up? They're all Aussies. You could tie them all together. They all kind of had – yeah, Emma was kind of doing the same gimmick they're doing down there up in the main roster. She spent some right. time in NXT. You could have tied all that shit together, and that to me would have been a believable, amazingly good stable. Right. I agree. Yeah, like I said, this this one just feels like it's destined to fail, whereas PMS feels like it's going to be, you know, it's go- going to be a star maker for Sony Deville, mm-hmm. um, and and it should carve out a niche for Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose, um, I guarantee you, Mandy Rose is the star of this group in terms of Vince McMahon's. Vince McMahon wants to make her well, the star of this yeah. group. I will guarantee you that. Well, I I Ooh. agree with you on that. 
Who is the um, first I, one to get the singles match on TV this week? I'm just saying. That's true. That's very true. Um, whereas, you know, over over on SmackDown, uh, boy, I think Liv Morgan was probably the one who will probably have the most longevity just because her character is very translatable. But she's uh, also the Sarah least Lo- talented in the ring of all of she, them. Yeah, but you know what? We said the same shit about Carmella and look at her, you know? When when they when they announced who was coming up, we're like fucking Carmella, and yeah, but, she cut her. You know, yes, I know that they're essentially the same person, but yeah, know. but she wasn't like an indie darling. I mean, we know what Sarah Logan is. If if you know her on the Indies, you know what Heidi Lovelace, yeah. aka Ruby Riot, was. So you know what these girls can do outside of their WWE characters. That wasn't you sort of didn't have that with Carmella. Um, but the, to me, the biggest difference is. When Carmella came up, she wasn't immediately paired with two girls who were better workers than her right off the bat. That's true. That's true. She was paired with Natalia, who sucks. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's move on from that to talking about some tag team action where we got. I'm not even going to try to read that because I'm. And I gotta go. So, uh, it's yeah, the, so it's Rusev. the new Rusev day one ish. That's the match at Night of Champions. Oh, yeah. and Gable oh, and, yeah. and Gable and Benjamin because they're the no day. They have no day in yeah. their name, so they have no reference to the. Yeah. So all of these dudes uh, got a chance on the mic to varying levels of success. Uh, Gable and Benjamin continue to be the weak link of this thing, and they are fucking terrible well, at promos again. Well, well, here's the to me. Here's why they're the weak link. Are they fucking faces or heels? I can't tell. Yeah, I don't think they can tell. The the rest of the teams in this thing have very clearly defined roles. At this point, we know the New Day's faces. We know the Usos are officially faces at this point. We know Rusev and English are the heels. What the fuck are Gable and Jordan? We don't. I'm sorry, Gable oh, and Benjamin. Oh, uh, nice, nice. It's essentially the same thing. Well, I just got so used to saying for years, saying Gable and Jordan. I got to get myself back in that mind space. Um, but yeah, I, I, we don't know what those guys are. They're just there. And until you define these characters and we know what they are, you'd have been better off putting Brizongo in this match because at least there's something there. They're established. We know who they are. And if your whole gimmick with these guys is going to be, hey, they're talented wrestlers. That's fine. Establish them as talented wrestlers. Don't have them go out and do heelish things in their match. And this is the problem, is that they're, they've got one foot in the face pool, one foot in the heel pool, and nobody knows which way they should be going. The, the face pool sounds like a great, uh, great place to be. It's better than the drowning oh. pool. That's true. That's true. Very true. All right, so I don't really have much more to say about that because, yeah. So I gave I mean, you a perfect segue. Perfect segue. I said drowning pool. All you had to say was now more bodies hitting the floor. Braun and King went into it. It's like, put it on a tee for you, my man. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> so Braun Strowman and Kane had a number one contenders match. This match consisted of choke slam, choke slam, uh, fall to the outside, fight, Fight, spear through a barricade, ten count, double count up. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't there wasn't much offense to this match, and again, we had to say that we are going to reinforce the ring. Why? We just had like the collective women's division in the ring, 
which they've got to weigh as much as these two dudes weigh compared combined. And it makes no every fucking time we got to reinforce the ring. What are you making the ring out of when you have a normal match? Is fucking toothpicks and bubble gum? <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, anyways, yeah. So, uh, we we set up now that Braun Strowman will face Kane and Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble for that title that we never see anymore. Mm. Well, we'll see it next week. That's that's true because Brock Lesnar is coming back to try to pop ratings. Yeah. 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 This. The match itself was fine. Um, no, it no, was it more. Wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't. I'm sorry. The, the match was terrible. What happened after was okay. Yeah. Um, where we had, you know, Kane sits up. Yeah, when you Braun got Strowman the weapons up. involved, it was fine. At any point when there yeah. weren't weapons involved, this was fucking awful. This is just these are t- look, and I, big guys can work against big guys. These two have zero chemistry in the ring. Kane is way past his prime. Like I said, I've said in the past, all respect for what he's accomplished. He shouldn't be in the ring at this point. Actually, the thing I heard an anecdote this week that I that sounds particularly interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. There was a, and I touch on it in the news later. There's a podcast with a former WWE writer who sort of did like a four-hour podcast where he sort of went over a bunch of shit. Um, and he talks, one of the things he talks about was the whole AJ Lee thing and the development of the storyline with him and Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and the original plan being that, you know, Punk and, and Bryan were going to have conflict over AJ Lee. But, and then at some point they're, they're talking about the plan and then Vince McMahon goes, and, uh, for, yeah, just have her kiss Kane too. We'll get Kane in there. It's, and it's sort of like Vince's fucking default is when I don't know what to do, throw Kane out there. Like I, this guy shouldn't be out there anymore. Yeah. Much less than I the main event you. of a fucking pay-per-view. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, we know what he's there for in the main events of that. Of of that, um, we know what he what his role is in that in that match. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I mean, this guy's gotten so much of a rub lately, and I don't fucking get it because there are so many other guys that you could be putting in this role right now. You know why? Why is Kane? A more logical contender than Finn Balor for against Brock Lesnar because Finn's not over. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know who's not over? Fucking Kane. It's crickets <laughs> when he walks out there. Uh, he's the big red machine. The the character of Kane died the moment he took a vocalizer and put it to his neck and said, "Suck it." That was it. I was all downhill after that for me. I never believed him as a monster anymore. You know what, though? There will always, always be a place for Kane at Elks on fire. As long as they're serving spaghetti out of uh, skulls. I haven't done that in a while, so. All right, so <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the main event here. The yeah, what only thing... Elkmania? Did they stop employing Adam so he stopped putting their stuff on the list, or did they just? I don't know. I have to look into that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh. All right. So the best part of this week, possibly the only good thing of this week, <laughs> was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn staging Occupy SmackDown Live. So this this one was a longer one because it, it was a thread throughout. But Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn decided to uh, take a page out of Daniel Bryan's book and Occupy SmackDown. So much so that they had T-shirts with Yep, Yep, Yep. Written on it. And that shit's going to catch on. Oh, that was amazing. 
and they were handing out, fr- out flyers to try to end the tyranny of Shane McMahon on SmackDown Live. And they they kind of roamed about handing out flyers to different people, interview you know interacting with other people. I then proceeded to leave a flyer uh, uh, for Daniel Bryan, who was busy taking a phone call. And we got another little hint at a heel turn as Daniel Bryan kind of looked at it, and you could see he kind of contemplated it. Uh, this all, of course, ended with Owens and, and Zayn in the ring, um, staging Occupy SmackDown Live, and Daniel Bryan announcing that this was going to be a fair match, and he's going to put on the referee's shirt. So how did you feel about the many different segments we had with Sammy and Owen, and how did you feel about the end of this? Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, because we're going to have two special guest referees in the same match, and there was no clarification. The way I, the impression I got, at least, is that they're both the regular referees in this match. There's not one on the floor, no enforcer. It's it's They're just both in there. At least that's how I read it from what they said on the show. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think we all kind of had the idea at this point that, that Daniel Bryan was going to sort of do the turn and then go, but they were really beating us over the head through the mouthpiece that is Byron Saxton, that that was the plan all along, that that's how he saw it playing out. It's so much to the extent that I don't think that is the plan anymore. Um, I, I think something else is going to happen. And the only other logical thing that would apply some shock to it is that if Shane is using Sammy and Kevin to get at Daniel Bryan and Shane's doing the heel turn, um, and maybe that's what it is. It, it certainly wouldn't be beyond a McMahon character to do that. Uh, he could come out and say, it was me, Daniel. It was me all along. I don't know. Uh, just spitball in there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the only impression I can get. Uh, to me, I, I really, t- the, the biggest takeaway from this main event match with Nakamura and Owens that we had on SmackDown uh, was Daniel Bryan on commentary because he was fucking awesome and it reminded me how good he was back in the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, and he was putting over the indies at the broadcast table. Yeah. And I can imagine Vince McMahon having a coronary in the back as Daniel's talking about how good things on the indies were. Right. Yeah, we, you know, we keep talking about that this might lead to Daniel Bryan returning to the ring, um, which, you know, I'd be for at this point. Um, we'll get into. What we think will happen, obviously, with our Clash of Champions predictions coming up here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think all in all, you know, them using Yep was great. Kevin Owens' promo to end the show was phenomenal with him just, just going off on everyone and, and, you know, screaming that he's, that they are the greatest in the WWE. Yep. And just going, Yep, Yep, Yep was <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, him, him and Sammy just, they, they are doing, the best work of anybody currently on on the roster, you know. Sammy just kind of being being a partner, but also kind of still being a lackey to Kevin Owens is great. You know, a lot of their mannerisms together, Sammy's little dancing and everything like that, and showing off the shirt and shit like that. They they're doing so many of these little things that keep you engaged. That every time they're they're on screen, you just have to stop everything you're doing and watch them. Yeah, I. So, I, I love everything that they're doing as a heel group here. I'm curious to see, when we get to the pay-per-view, how Daniel Bryan is going to fit into this. Because there were some things that were a little strange. Like, first off, he calls out everyone to occupy SmackDown, and Daniel Bryan comes out, but he comes out without his music. And then he's standing on the ramp. Oh, I think that was a I think, I think I think that was a total fuck-up on, on okay. their part. Yeah, I, I didn't know. It, it looked like it was almost 
Almost like it was done on purpose. I don't know. Um, to me, one of the things I find most interesting is it's almost like when Daniel Bryan had to retire, they just put all of his gimmicks out on the curb and said, hey, if anybody wants any of these. So, you know, Miz yeah. took the kicks, and now Owens and, and Sammy are taking the yup, and, you know, I just can't wait to see who's taking the, the fucking Brie Bella part. Yeah, I I also I will I will say I'm I'm happy that WWE showed enough restraint that this was the first time that we parodied the the yes movement since you know Daniel Bryan retired. Um, so good on them to to kind of hold off on that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I I do think that that was a mistake. But I I am anxious to see what's going to happen here and 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 really I it kind of sucks if this is if Owens and Zayn are just being used to progress a you know a storyline between Daniel Bryan and Shane when really the storyline should be around these two guys. Uh, but we'll we'll see. There's still a lot of time left on this. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, I think it's time to slide on over to the news desk. off the news desk tonight bret hart has filed lawsuit over an allegedly botched wrist surgery that he underwent in 2015 the calgary sun broke the news that last week hart claimed that doc the surgery and dr justin young performed the surgery that dr justin young performed left him unable to use the index finger and thumb on his right hand the lawsuit notes that hart suffered an injury to his wrist all the way back in 1981 with him wrestling most of his career with it Hart visited plastic surgeon Dr. Young in Calgary in 2015 and later had surgery on November 23rd of that year. When he returned several weeks later, Hart said the right index finger and thumb didn't function and complained about the swelling and pain. He was allegedly told to wait and see how it healed, but Hart's condition didn't improve in later visits. It's alleged that the doctor left a tourniquet on Mr. Hart's right arm for too long, such that the circulation of the nerves and tendons in his right thumb and index finger were damaged by a prolonged insufficient supply of oxygen. The suit claims that Young either Young and other unnamed members of his surgery team were either negligent and breached the duties of care that they owed him by their agreement with him. It also states that Hart is unable to properly dress himself on his own and can't functionally use objects like pens and pencils. Hart is seeking $1 million in damages along with undetermined amounts in lost income and other losses. He underwent a second surgery with different doctors in Vancouver in October, but the results of that procedure are not currently unknown. I do have, I, I've made some calls, and I was able to find out that the results of that, by the results of that surgery, he actually lost sensation in two more fingers, meaning that he's now, when it comes to fingers, he's lost four out of ten. Ah, oh, you beat me to it. I was good. I was gonna make a joke about it. Uh, first of all, you go to a plastic surgeon to get hand surgery. Shouldn't you go to a hand specialist to get hand surgery? I, I go to a hand specialist to get hand relief. So, um, yeah, that's a, that. That seems a lot. Um, yeah, you it's took not my that job, odd. So it's a couple, know. couple, couple bucks, and they take. Oh, you. Oh, you meant. The, oh, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you took my joke, so I got nothing to say about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, former WWE superstar Rob Van Dam remains sporadically active on the independent wrestling circuit, even at 48 years old. But you won't see the decorated performer back on Raw or SmackDown anytime soon. According to a story by TheBlast.com, a visual impairment caused by a concussion he suffered in November of 2016 has disqualified him from working for WWE. As per the terms outlined in the company's concussion management program protocol, the claims were made in papers filed as part of RVD's ongoing divorce proceedings with ex-wife Sonya. The former WWE and ECW champion suffered the affliction while wrestling Pentagon Jr. for England's Preston City Wrestling. It saw the veteran fly out of the ring and use a steel chair with RVD taking a couple of big bumps throughout, though he was competing again by December. Uh, now in his 27th year in the business, Van Dam claims he has aged out of wrestling, partially because of his inability to rejoin WWE, which has substantially reduced his income. RVD is arguing that he should pay less than what Sonya is demanding because he can no longer make a good income on the, in the business. He also feels that Sonya is capable of earning her own income. RVD last worked for WWE in August of 2014. He also noted that WWE chose not to renew his merchandising contract, with it, which expired this past July. RVD has fulfilled a number of independent dates in 2017, including a featured spot in ICW's flagship Fear and Loathing event last month in Glasgow, Scotland. Now, to me, I'm not sure if I should feel bad about RVD's condition or feel skeptical that he's just using this as an excuse to get out of paying his ex-wife. A little column A, little column B on that one. Um, I'm I'm with you on that, man. I don't know. Um, You know, obviously... You know, Rob's probably never going to make it back in the WWE. Uh, he is a, a little bit of a liability in terms of their drug policy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and at this point, I don't think that people are really clamoring for RVD to return. The, I think the time has kind of passed it by on that. And, yeah, it's it, it seems a little, little bit odd. Um, but, you know, I, I was kind of – obviously – if they didn't renew the the merchandising, his merchandise isn't moving anymore. So, you know, and he probably shouldn't be doing a lot of the things that he's doing if he gets so fucking hurt in the ring. Yeah, I mean, maybe the idea of maybe just have less people throw steel chairs at you. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's crazy, weird like that. Uh, speaking of legal proceedings, the lawsuits from Marcus Bagwell, a.k.a. Buff Bagwell, and Scott Levy, a.k.a. Raven, have both been dismissed. The United States District Court of Connecticut officially dismissed the lawsuits between Bagwell and Levy on Thursday, according to a report by PWInsider.com. It's not exactly confirmed what led to the dismissal, but it seems that all parties are working towards a settlement. The case was dismissed with prejudice, which means neither can sue WWE for these claims again. Both lawsuits had to deal with royalties that they were not getting as part of their contractual agreement with WWE. Both Levy and Bagwell accused WWE of breaching their contracts by failing to pay direct sales royalties related to the WWE network content that featured them in skits and matches. Levy's lawsuit further said that with the purchase of ECW and WCW in 2001, those libraries should fall under the royalty rate that he was promised by WWE. Bagwell's suit says that he had not been paid any royalties since 2014 when the WWE network launched. The lawsuit also claimed that WWE failed to agree to its fiduciary duty to Levy and Bagwell because WWE was in a better position when it came to knowing royalties than they that they owed the talent. With this dismissal, it seems that the 
Uh, WCW Thunder and WWE Sunday Night Heat will be added to the WWE Network within the next few months. After these lawsuits were filed and early attempts to have a dismissal failed on WWE's part, WWE sources indicated that plans to add Sunday Night Heat and WCW Thunder had both halted, even though the complete runs of each series were prepared and ready to be added to the network. Bagwell appeared on Thunder throughout its run of the series from 1998 to 2001. Levy, meanwhile, appeared on WCW Thunder in 98 and 99, as well as Sunday Night Heat from 2000 to 2002. WWE decided against adding episodes from both series a few months ago due to potential damages should the courts not rule in their favor. WWE also looked into whether it was feasible to remove content featuring the two from the network. The company took the issue so seriously they put research into whether it was worth removing all signs of Levy and Bagwell from the WWE network. This, however, would be quite difficult with Bagwell since he was a member of the NWO from 96 to 99, which dominated WCW programming during these years. Uh, Troy, how much time have you spent on the WWE network watching Marcus Alexander Bagwell matches? I don't even think I had to watch one when I, I guess, hosted on, on Nitromania. Uh, the good news is is that now that means that um, pretty soon Jason will be hosting Thundermania I was gonna on go the Thunder Wrestling Podcast. Thunderstruck is a good one, yeah. So now you have your own show. I, I've already, I've already, like, I've got enough stuff going on. Oh, I can't, okay. I can't well, even get the sit-downs done regularly. Cause I'm going to throw another fucking thing at me. No, I'm good. Well, I did, I did, I did four shows this week, motherfucker, so... <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's, you know, you're just reading to yourself. I have to coordinate with other people. It's much more complicated. Well, not if you're doing Thunder Mania. Well, that's true, I suppose, but... Yeah, uh, just, no. do it, just, just do it yourself. I, I don't want to outshine anyone else on the network. I'm just, you know... I, 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 I have loyalty to the rundown. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> uh, a vignette that aired last week during an episode of NXT hyped the arrival of a mysterious competitor. The vignette featured the silhouette of a wrestler and the word soon with spades replacing the middle letters of the word. This would seem to hint at the debut of Shayna Baszler, whose nickname is the Queen of Spades. Uh, the video is posted on WWE.com and the URL of the thumbnail image pointing to it reveals that the mystery person is indeed Baszler. Uh, WWE continued, I'm sorry, WWE actually wrote her name in the URL as the image of the image. Uh, the image has since been deleted, although typing the complete URL on Google Images will still show you the picture. Uh, Dave Meltzer also confirmed on Wrestling Observer Radio that the vignette is indeed for Baszler. Baszler has been wrestling at NXT house shows in Florida since August when she came uh, which came shortly after the May Young Classic tapings. She lost to Kyrie Sane in the Sane. I'm what's wrong with me? It's that, all that fireball I had before we started. Uh, she lost to Kyrie Sane in the finals in September. She appeared at last week's set of NXT tapings to kick off a feud with Kyrie. Uh, WWE announced not Kyrie, not not Kyrie Irving because that'd be weird. Uh, Kyrie Sane. I probably should have just said Sane. That would have been. I uh, I may be the only one that got confused on that though. So. Are you okay? Are you having a stroke? I might be. I don't know. It's It's been a week. Uh, WWE announced in October that Baszler had signed with the company. The next round of NXT tapings will take place at Center Stage in Atlanta, a historic building, on January 4th, 2018, as the build to take over Philadelphia during Royal Rumble weekend continues. Your thoughts on Shayna Baszler in NXT? Um, she has a gigantic fucking forehead. <laughs> it's a five head. Yeah. Uh, no, this is going to be good. I'm, I'm excited to see 
you know, an injection of new talent. And um, that's really fucking dumb with WWE. Just spoil your own surprise. Um, and, you know, I, I was going to say spoiler alert. It is, in fact, her. But uh, they already spoiled it, so yeah. no, no need for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of Troy's favorite female wrestlers, Shelly Martinez, who is known as Ariel in WWE, has opened up about an attempted rape that took place during her time in the company. It all started when Pro Wrestling Sheets' Ryan Sadden mentioned a story Vince Russo brought up on his podcast last week. Russo claimed that during his time in WWE, a female wrestler who he did not name told him that she got raped by another wrestler on the roster. Russo did not go into whether or not he reported the sexual assault claim. Not long after Satin's tweet went up, Martinez revealed that she almost suffered the same fate. She also claims that, quote, others have shared with her that they were raped, end quote. Martinez was under contract to WWE from 2005 to 2007. In April 2005, she signed a contract with WWE and was assigned to their developmental promotion in Ohio Valley Wrestling. While at OVW, she used the ring name Shelly and managed several wrestlers, including Aaron Stevens, Paul Burchill, Seth Skyfire, I don't know who that guy ended up being, if anything. Uh, she joined WWE's ECW brand in 2006, and using a gimmick of a tarot reader, managed Kevin Thorne. Was she a tarot reader? I thought she was a vampire. I don't know. Uh, under the name Ariel, she was released from her WWE contract in May of 2007 during a talent purge. During a 2013 interview, Martinez said that a backstage incident with Batista had led to her departure from WWE saying, quote, Batista and I had an aggressive conversation backstage, and he said something that was unnecessary and uncalled for. It was outside of wrestling. I'm pretty sure it could have been a legal problem for both Batista and WWE, but this is wrestling, and it's a man's business, so I fired back, and they fired me. I was just a vampire girl in a fake ECW, and he was Batista, and they wanted to accommodate him. Uh, Troy, your thoughts on Shelley's claims of almost being raped? Um, talk to the police. Don't don't go and try to report it to one of the writers. Go go and talk to the police. You fucking moron. Well, look, I'm not Shelley's biggest fan uh, right off the bat, but I, I think with, when you're dealing with people who are working in an industry like that that is so male dominated, there, there's a bit of fear that you know going to reporting this or telling people about this will result in you losing your job or um obviously we live in a world where it's a little different these days because there's so many laws to protect victims but back then that wasn't necessarily the case so you know i i don't know the details i don't know how legit she is or isn't i i mean i hate to without any reason assume she's lying so i don't want to do that but you know i i can certainly see a scenario where she'd be afraid to come forward at that point in time So bad news, uh, Seth Skyfire, semi-retired, oh. um, but yeah. he did wrestle at the MPW 805 anniversary, where him and Topher Cash defeated Charles Sanders and Joshua O'Hagan. That was that was back in March of 2017. So, so he never um, got to the main roster as any talent. He never got to main roster. He was a, a OVW Tag Team Champion with CM Punk, as well as. Yeah, he was a three-time champion. He was also the uh, OVW champion, or television champion at one point. Nope, not television champion. Regular champion, right? Nope, television champion, yep. Are you sure uh, Yeah, okay. he lost it to... Oh, my God. So he won it. 
And then, looks like three months later, the, in his next match, lost it to Eddie Craven. So, didn't uh, didn't wasn't didn't, wasn't very good at defending it. Oh well, well he's dead now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was another totally inappropriate joke I was going to make there, but I won't even do that because it would be too much. Even always. I have to tell Sal all the time he needs to make these jokes. He's like, oh, I thought about making that joke, but uh, like, dude, it's you're you're supposed to entertain people. Make those jokes. Yeah, I, 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 I there are many, many things I will make jokes about. Rape is not one of them. Uh, anyway, Texas independent wrestler Jasper Davis has been arrested. Text it to me. I'll make it. Arrested. Text, text, text. Text the joke to me. Arrested for murdering his girlfriend, according to the ABC affiliate KRTK in Houston. The 29-year-old Davis claims the shooting death of his 24-year-old girlfriend, Jennifer Nicole Mamo, was an accident. Prosecutors claim that Davis and Mamo had an argument, and she accused him of flirting with another woman at a bar. Davis told police that his girlfriend grabbed a gun, and when, she tri- when he tried to take it away, it went off. Davis said that Mamo was shot in the face. Uh, prosecutors claim that Davis shot Mamo and dumped her body in a creek on Burnham Wood in North... See, when you shoot someone in the face and then say it was an accident, don't try to dispose of their body in the woods. It sort of makes your claims seem, I don't know, untruthful. Um, prosecutors claim that he dumped her body by a creek in Brigham Woods in North Harris County after Davis's car got stuck in the creek... Uh, no, you see, you need to understand. So he accidentally shot her, and he's like, "I need to get her to the hospital." He puts her in the back of the truck. <laughs> truck gets fucking caught in the thing, and he's like, "I'm never gonna get out of here with all this weight on my truck. I gotta get rid of some of this weight." Chucks her off the back. He's like, "I'll come back for you, honey," and drives away. Oh, I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. Uh, so his after his car got stuck in the creek, he called a friend to come help him. <laughs> The friend saw her body and told Davis he wouldn't help him before calling 911. Memo's seventh-month-old baby was found alone in her home on Archer Glen. Uh, police believe the baby was in the same room as the shooting, but she, but the baby was not hurt. Uh, Davis made his wrestling debut in 2012 and frequently appears for promotions in the state of Texas, including Raw Color commentator Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, where he won the ROW Championship in 2013 and the ROW Tag Team Championship two times earlier this year. ROW has not issued a statement on Davis, although his profile on their website has since been deleted. Um... First off, you know, thoughts and prayers go to the family of, of the young woman and, and the child who is now motherless. So, you know, you know there's a certain degree of, of just absolute horror in that story. Um, we tend to try to tell depressing stories and then try to find something in them that, that you can be at least somewhat, you know. But really, this guy's got to be one of the dumbest killers ever. I mean, like, like you shoot her in the face... And you're going to claim accident, but in claiming accident, you throw her body in the car, bring it to the creek to dispose it, get your ass stuck in the mud, then call a friend with the body sitting there exposed, and like, dude, are you going to push this shit or what? Like, don't pay any attention to the blood, just fucking push the car. Like, like really, this guy's an idiot. And, and sort of deserves to spend the rest of his life in jail. Yeah, very much so. Um... Yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to say about this one either. 
Well, speaking of uh, people who have issues with their spouses, Rich Swan was arrested on domestic battery and false imprisonment charges. Gainesville police released an arrest report on the incident, which happened in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, The victim is listed as Venara Riggs, independent wrestler Sue Young, who Swan has been in a relationship for with approximately five years and has been married to for nine months. The arrest report states that Swan and Riggs were involved in an argument when Riggs wrestled at a house show in Gainesville. Swan was critiquing Riggs' performance and began getting angry with her. Riggs got out of the vehicle they were in after getting scared that the argument was going to escalate. He chased her and yelled for her to get back in, then allegedly grabbed her by the arm and around the neck with one arm after Riggs said she didn't want to get back in the vehicle. He pulled, put her in a headlock and dragged her back to the vehicle. A witness says the situation uh, that they saw that Swan was pushing Riggs back into the vehicle while she screamed for help. They also said Riggs was beating on the window and screaming for help as they drove away. Another witness said they saw the vehicle driving erratically with Riggs jumping out of it while it was still moving and Swan getting out of it while it was moving to chase her. Apparently the vehicle was not put in park and rolled until it hit a telephone pole. Riggs told police that she was afraid because Swan has a temper sometimes and that she was trying to get away from him because she was afraid the argument would escalate into physical violence. Riggs said she told him to stop the vehicle so he could get out before having to jump out while it was still slowly moving. She said Swan grabbed her by the arm and pulled her back in despite her not wanting to go with him. Swan denied grabbing Riggs and pulling her back in the vehicle, saying that she got in on her own and he never physically touched her. He said that he was trying to get home and her phone had the GPS on it for directions. The domestic battery charge is listed as a misdemeanor and the false imprisonment charge as a felony. Swan was taken into custody around midnight that night and was in custody until the next morning. According to their zero-tolerance domestic violence policy, WWE issued a statement saying that Swan has been suspended indefinitely. Uh, later, Rich Swan was released from Gainesville, Florida jail uh, on his own recognizance. As a stipulation of his release, Swan had to sign a statement agreeing that he would abide by an order that he would not have, quote, <clears throat> that he would have, quote, no direct or indirect hostile contact with his wife, um, And what that means is that Swan can still be in contact with and even live with Riggs, but he cannot argue with, belittle, or threaten her. Swan was told he had to be in court with court services within 24 hours of his release. A judge has been assigned to Swan's case, but as of now, there is no court hearing officially set that we are aware of. Uh, Troy, this is obviously another messy situation. What do you think of this? What do you make of this one? So you're saying that uh, Rich Swan couldn't handle it? Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's all I. That's all I got. Okay, that's probably better that we maybe we shouldn't have even had that. Just, yeah. Anyway, according to former WWE writer in an interview released this week, the company considered one-time Divas champion Caitlyn for a Wyatt family role back in 2013. Tom Cassiello worked on the WWE's writing staff for about five years, ending in December of 2016. During that time, he mostly worked with the female members of the roster and feuds involving personal issues, which he contributed to his soap opera background. Uh, in an interview with the Agenda podcast, Cassiello reveals that when Caitlin was wrapping up her feud with AJ Lee in late summer, early fall 2013, the writing staff pitched a storyline about her joining Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan in the Wyatt family. He said, quote, we had discussed it, and she was down with this. 
We had discussed Caitlin being the first female member of the Wyatt family. The idea was that after the Big E thing, the AJ thing, and all of that, she's left with nothing. She has no title. She has no best friend. She has no boyfriend. So she's got nothing, and she's outside alone in the arena one night. You see someone behind her like, hello, Caitlin, then a scream, then you have the black. Two months later, she shows up as zombie Caitlin Wyatt, he continued. The storyline would have eventually led to Caitlin betraying Bray Wyatt during a match. He also clarified that Caitlin would not have been Sister Abigail, but just another member of the Wyatt family, saying, quote, When I was there, there were no plans to make anyone Sister Abigail. Sister Abigail was this cryptic, mysterious thing Bray talked about. There was never going to be a Sister Abigail. Now, since I left, they have changed that. Uh, Cassiello said that the reason the storyline did not happen was that the writing team ultimately felt that Caitlin being abducted could be misinterpreted. I'm pretty sure JBL would have tried to abduct her. I'm pretty sure he already has. I might have. They are both from Texas. Hmm. Uh, what would your thoughts have been if Caitlin is a Wyatt family member? It's an interesting storyline. Um, I don't know that I would have liked it because when you take somebody who's already got like longevity, it's it's kind of weird. Like it didn't work with Daniel Bryan when they had him join the Wyatt family because I mean it was the wrong casting for it. Uh, I would have rather them see them use a, a brand new person in that role. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the family didn't really work as well as we thought it was going to. So, uh, James Michael Curtin, who is better known as Rockstar Spud and Impact Wrestling, is scheduled to begin working with the WWE at next week's television events. According to PWInsider.com, the plan is for Curtin to be part of the 205 Live brand, which means he would be appearing on Monday Night Raw as well. It has not been confirmed as to when he'll actually debut on TV and if he'll have a new ring name. Curtin was the first ever winner of Impact's British reality, boot, British reality competition series, British Boot Camp. After being signed, he was used as a wrestler, personality, and even ring announcer over the course of his run with the company from 2012 to 2017. Spud requested his release from the, com- from the company uh, in September, which was granted. He signed with the WWE in October and returned to Great Britain, waiting for his work visa and paperwork to be handled. Troy, are you excited about the debut of Rockstar Spud in WWE? Who? Rockstar Spud, little English guy. Is that the guy from Train Spotting? Nope, 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 nope. This is a different guy. A uh, little short, blonde guy. He, uh, he had a <clears throat> blood feud with uh, EC3, who you might know as Derek Bateman from uh, NXT. Oh, Johnny Curtis? Yeah, no, 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 no. Curtain. Curtain is like a, like the drapes. Oh. Little little English guy. So, mm. Spud wears, wears crazy suits. Oh, Jack Gallagher. No, 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 no. He wears normal suits. Um, this this guy was really just crazy out there. Uh, just uh, crazy, blow your mind kind of suits. They don't make any sense. Hmm. Okay. No, oh, no. Okay. No. Uh, speaking of cruiserweights, talks between WWE officials and Neville, who reportedly walked out on the company two months ago, are said to have broken down. According to PW Insider, Insider's Mike Johnson, discussions between the two parties were initially positive with plans made for him to return to television. This would have seen him leave the 205 Live roster and head over to SmackDown Live, initially joining up with last month's European tour before re-debuting at the end of November. However, it is now suggested that negotiations have abruptly stopped, and it has been said that the WWE is reluctant to release Neville from his contract, despite his apparent wish to go back to working the independents. 
Uh, I certainly hope they can work this out because I'm a big fan of Neville and I really think he's been underutilized. His heel character has been great and I'd love to see him in like a U.S. championship program or even in a continental title push. I think he's capable of much more than what they've given him so far. It seems weird that they would actually offer to get him off of 205 Live, which was what his complaint was, and he would still turn him down. Uh, could have been money. It could have been you know merchandising. Who knows what the what the sticking point was? So I, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that's going to do it for the news desk this week. And now it's oh. time for that thing we do we seemingly do every other week: pay per view predictions. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you already get an extra point on this one for calling it that the. Feud between Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder was going to take place on pre-shows. The pre-show this for for Clash of Champions will see the newly heel Mojo Rawley take on Zack Ryder. Me personally, I'm going with Ryder with a fruit roll-up in order to keep this feud going. What I, do you say? Who gives a fuck, really? I mean, they did they did the breakup angle, and there was zero follow-up on television, so. Uh, you, you got to have Ryder come out and cut the I, I feel betrayed promo. You got to have Raleigh come out and cut the I was better off without you promo. There's been nothing. There's zero fucking heat built into this. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess Raleigh has to win because why turn him fucking heel and then have him lose his first time out? That makes no sense. Uh, but yeah, fucking who gives a shit really? Well, it's too bad that Gronkowski uh, got re, you know only got a one game suspension. Otherwise, he'd be able to be on part of this as well. Um, then, then Raleigh would definitely go over. That's right. Uh, the Super Smash Brothers take on Febreze in a match with no championship on the line. And um, I think it's going to be a unanimous one on this one that the Super Smash Brothers are going over. Yeah, and, and the, the build for this consisted of months of the fashion files dancing around the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, no actual payoff to that end, and then just them saying, in a, you know, WWE.com skit, on SmackDown that, hey, let's do this match. So, fuck that, too. Yep. That's uh, how you build a feud. Apparently, because that's how they built the, the two fucking feuds that we just talked about. Uh, yeah, Bludgeon Brothers' dominant victory, because, you know, who takes Brizango seriously? Right. Um, the Tag Team Championships are on the line as the Usos take on Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. The No the Day. New Day. Okay. The No Day, The New Day, and Rusev Day. Who do you got? Uh, I think the Usos have to keep the title. There's there's really no reason to to take them off of them at this point. I mean, if you were going to do a switch, I guess you could do Rusev and Aiden English just to kind of give them a reason to stay together uh, and stay important. But there's there's no reason for the New Day to win. Very little for Shelton and uh, Benjamin and Shelton and Gable to win. Uh, and I think there's, the Usos should should keep the titles here. Uh, I actually it's going to be difficult because. It, it, it's going to be weird if Clash of Champions goes and not a single title changes hands. But that's fine, um, as long as they clash, that's all that matters. That's true. That's true. I um, think all the champions should just come out in horribly mismatched outfits. There you go. There you go. Um, I would say that the Usos are going to hang on to it just because I think that they're the the toughest face team, and having them eventually drop the titles to the Bludgeon Brothers would seem like the direction that they want to go with. Yeah, that seems so, to make more sense. Yeah. So then, our next match, the United States Championship, is online as Baron Corbin takes on Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Who you got? 
and another battle of we've put nothing behind this. Uh, first off, Dolph Ziggler this week apparently back to having an actual entrance video and song, just didn't turn it off this time. Um, Bobby Roode on commentary for his match with Corbin, lets the match go about a minute before he jumps in the ring and just fucking DDTs Corbin because reasons. Um, I don't th- look. I, I realistically, for the way you've told the story, it should be Ziggler, uh, but it's going to be Corbin. He's keeping that title. Yeah, you know, we talked about um, Ziggler being on the ENC podcast and kind of you know letting WWE know that you know they they need to do something to convince him to stick around, uh, which is exactly why he's in this match to eat the pin. So I'm saying that um, that Bobby Roode actually wins it by pinning Dolph Ziggler, and that sets up a feud between Roode and Corbin. Huh, interesting. So I'm I'm going on a limb there. Yeah, definitely. Um, only because I want at least one title to change hands, so this pay-per-view isn't a nothing pay-per-view. Well, you should just pick uh, the title in the next match to change hands. Nope, that's not going to happen, because <laughs> the, the SmackDown Women's Championship is on the line as Charlotte Flair takes on Natalia in a lumberjack match, because those are still a thing, where the lumberjacks are made up of the entirety of the rest of the women's division. Isn't it a lumberjill match? Isn't that what they called it in WWE? Um, they used to call it that, but now they I think they just call it a lumberjack match. Because yeah. uh, I don't think they've heard, have, have heard anything different. So um, I, I can only assume you will be lumberjacking off while this thing is uh, going on. Not with the two people in the ring. <laughs> Maybe if maybe if they just kept a, a camera on Liv Morgan's ass the entire time, then maybe I would be. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go with uh, you know Charlotte Flair to retain. I would have bet my money at my house you were gonna go for Natalia because I know what a big fan you are. Um, nope, nope, that's not a thing. It's not a real thing. <laughs> I don't want I don't want anyone to actually believe that's a real thing. I hate Natalia. You said she was the hottest one on SmackDown. Nope, nope, definitely didn't do that. You absolutely did. You said you wanted to see more of her pussies. Oh, yes, I did say that. Yeah. Um, and, and as a caveat to this, do we think a cash-in happens? Uh, it's entirely possible. It might be that you, you want a title to change at this event. That is, again, they've they've kept Carmella fairly low profile lately, which is usually a sign that she's going to be cashing in and they don't want people to remember she has the case for the shock value. Um, so yeah, I could totally see that happening here to be kind of a moment on this show. Uh, as far as this match, I'm totally going Charlotte Flair. Okay. Uh, it would be a little bit difficult for her to cash in when the ring is surrounded by all the women, but we'll see what happens. Well, she could uh, wait. A... No, no, no. That's easy. That's the storytelling from a storytelling standpoint. You just got all the lumberjacks to fucking brawl around with each other. Carmella stays back while they all fight to the back. And it's just kind of Charlotte in the ring by herself, watching everybody head up the ramp. Carmella right behind her with the fucking briefcase, whacks her, and then says she's cash. It's fucking easy storytelling, man. Right on. Uh, in a match that will most likely not be the main event, the WWE Championship is on the line <laughs> as AJ Styles takes on Jinder Mahal for the 37th time. Um, there is the no fuck- time, man. There's, there's no fucking way that AJ Styles is dropping his title to Jinder. <laughs> you mean they're going to hinder Jinder? Um, by the way, shout out to Aiden English for throwing in four hinder genders and the uh, unhinder genders on the Twelve Nights of Rusev, or Twelve Days of Rusev song. That was a nice little touch. Uh, yeah, no, there's the AJ's fucking winning this match. All right, and in what will most likely be our main event, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn take on Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura. 
with not one, but two referees in Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. So this is the one that I think we have the most speculation on what will happen. Because um, it's the only one with any real good build. Yeah, that's true. Um, I am going with a Shane heel turn. Okay. So you're still an idea from earlier. No, not at all. I, I have I, I have a similar idea. Um, I say that <laughs> you know that Daniel Bryan calls it right down the middle, winds up counting the three counts for Kevin Owens beating Randy Orton, and then Shane goes ballistic and beats the shit out of Daniel Bryan. Uh, see, I, I, I see it the other way. I think we're going to have a, a moment where Daniel Bryan's going to get thrown out. Everyone's going to assume Shane's going to side with Nakamura and Orton. Then instead, he's going to hit them with a chair, screw them, and then pin them at, count the pin for Owens and Styles, Owens and, and Sammy, and show that uh, he's been aligned with them this whole time. See, we have different ideas. Yeah, true. Same premise, but yeah, we get yeah. different ways of getting there. All right, so that'll do with predictions. Now let's see what's going on in your local independent wrestling. As long as you're local to one of the places we talk about. Right, exactly. Or as long as you live in Kansas, Portland, Wisconsin, or Boston. And if you're an independent D- promoter and you'd like your stuff pumped on here, get in touch with uh, Troy on Twitter at Rockstar Troy or myself at Jay Stewart. Five, uh, I don't know what a five two nine one. I think. Uh, <laughs> ah, oh, you have a terrible Twitter name. I do. I, I was early to the Twitter game, and I don't use it that often. So, I was early to the Twitter game. That's how I got Rockstar Troy. <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't there a country singer that was like Rockstar Troy or something? Nope. Oh, okay. That was Cowboy Troy. Oh, boy. okay. Well, why did you yeah. get that one? You could have probably got him to pay you money to get get it from you. Because I don't listen to country music, and I didn't know the guy existed. Do you not like money? Uh, sorry. DOA Pro Wrestling <laughs> presents Twas the Fight Before Christmas, December 16th. Doors open at 5.30, bell at 6 p.m. at the Waddles Boys and Girls Club. Featuring the DOA Grand Champion Ethan H.D., the DOA Pure Champion Julian Arrow White, DOA Tag Team Champions Four Minutes of Heat, Eddie Van Glam, Eddie Pearl, and Billy Pearl, Hardcore Legend Dr. Luther, Mike Santiago, Schaff, Dr. Cleaver, C.J. Edwards, The Higher Five, Draven Vargas, Patrick Large, and MJ, Johnny Paradise, The Hess Dynasty, Wade and Dominic Hess, Eric Wright, Northwest Express, Marcus Malone, and Flex Walker, Caden Cassidy, Kane Jaden, Clark Connors, Damon James, Sonico, and Udo, all scheduled to appear. Jason. Yes. Take it away. Yeah, lucky, lucky Pro Wrestling doing some good as they are trying to help raise money for the Toys for Tots. Uh, with teaming up with West Real Estate on Sunday, December 10th, 2017 at the West Real Estate office, uh, 386 Main Street, Wilmington, Massachusetts. It's 1030 to 1230. LPW stars will be in attendance, signing autographs, taking pictures. Uh, currently announced for the event, we have the LPW heavyweight champion, the selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo. Uh, Impact Wrestling Knockout Alicia Edwards, LPW Hard Knocks Champion Brick Mass Stone, LPW Women's Champion Adira, Anthony Stone, Isana, Christopher James, and more to be announced. With the donation of a new unwrapped toy or $5, fans can get, <laughs> <laughs> fans can get 
fans can get a photo and an autograph from the appearing stars. All donations will be collected by Toys for Tots of Massachusetts for the less fortunate this holiday season. They're also taking mail orders. Have a check and money order made out to Toys for Tots. Uh, the amount will be based on the amount of autographs you would like. They are $5 a piece. Please include a self-addressed stamped envelope, and those in, those requests can be sent directly to the West Real Estate Office, 386 Main Street, Wilmington, Massachusetts. That is where you're sending those to get those sent back to you. Again, please include a self-addressed stamped envelope. And Liberty States Wrestling returns to the John McCarthy School in Peabody on Saturday, December 16th with Holiday Havoc and the return of the Opportunity Knox ladder match. D.L. Hurst, Brett Domino, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo, and the clinic Christopher James will fight for a contract that guarantees them a shot at any Liberty States title whether they want, whenever they want with no expiration dates. Also on that show, Big Bacon Brad Hollister makes his Liberty States debut as he tries to take the heavyweight title away from Christian Casanova. Also, the return of the No Limits Open Challenge featuring Todd Sopel. Also scheduled to appear, Nico Silva, uh, the Punjabi Lion Robo, Hammer Tunis, Setherin, and Vanity Vixen, as well as so much more. All right. Midwest Entertainment Wrestling is returning to Wichita. They are proud to announce that the 20-foot MWE ring will be set inside the Crown Upton Theater, one of the most iconic locations in the history of Wichita. Friday, December 29th, 2017, at Crown Upton Theater. It is the Midwest Entertainment Wrestling crowned the best in the Midwest. Doors open at 6 p.m. The show starts at 7. Tickets are on sale at TicketFly.com, Ringside 35 Bones, Adult General Mission 20, Kids 12 and Under, General Mission $15. And Shaken or Stirred Bartending will be there. Tickets are now on sale for Bruce City Wrestling as they celebrate their 14th anniversary show, Rise to Honor, on Friday, January 12, 2018, at the Columbus Club of West Allis. The bell time is 7.30, doors open at 6.45, tickets available at BruceCityWrestling1.com, $25 ringside, $17 advanced presale, or $20 general mission at the door. You can join the stars of Bruce City Wrestling at the Slurpin' Burp Fun Bar after the event. The main event... In a War Games steel cage, the Heathens will take on the Brew City Saints. And the Extreme Rules, fans bring your weapons, because ECW legend franchise Shane Douglas has taken on the BCW fr- franchise Evil Dis. We will also have the 2018 Brew City Wrestling Hall of Fame inductions. More info is coming soon. Go to BrewCityWrestling1.com for more. Uh, yeah, and I guess I will throw in this week that uh, UFO of Wrestling announced they'll be back in action with their annual February vacation show. Uh, more information in the coming weeks. The one thing I can confirm is that it is going to feature Impact Wrestling star Falaba. So definitely one you want to check out. I'll be back with more info in the coming weeks on that one. All right, and that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, December 14th, 2017. It has been 21 days since Roman Reigns won the Intercontinental Championship. It has also been one week since Jason made me say Poop Monster on the show. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Go to Facebook and like us on their Rundown Wrestling. 
Email us show rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967 at 61 rundown7. No voicemail from Sal this week because he doesn't care about us. No, he's actually fucking recording something tonight and couldn't be bothered to be on the show. Oh, I wondered why he was. He wanted to borrow my funnel. We're on Patreon. <laughs> Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, there's just one reward level, the rundowner, and it's occupied by one person... And one person only, and that is the head of the Sierra fan club, Mike Smathers. Well, now he's going to take his money back. you got to stop making those jokes, Troy. I'm sorry. For just $5 a month, you get to one patron-only episode of The Rundown. We are currently working on the second episode of that. But it's only we've only had the Patreon account for two, two months, so fuck it. Check out my show, The Slider Sanitary, if you're a fan of horror. Listen to our friends The Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing with a new podcast Mondays and Thursdays. You can check them out on Facebook.com slash the WPAN. Actually, they, check also out a new just, they also just launched their own website at the WPAN.com, so you can go check them out there for all their archives as well. Excellent. Check out our new friend Justin Michaels in prime time and his new show, The Yesterland Waltz, on Tough TV. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, and I can finally say that every single one of our shows dropped in the past month. <laughs> NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and the Nitromedia Podcast, all here on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. So you could say we're dropping loads of podcasts on your podcast feed. That's right. We are dropping loads right into your ear hole. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thank you, Troy. Thanks to Ray Williams for our logo. And thank you again to Jason for our theme song. Next week, we bring you a review of Clash of Champions. Is that anything like Clash of Titus? Like Clash of the Titus or whatever? Why is that still a thing? I don't know. But Dana Brooks now in the, the Titus Worldwide. So. Oh, that's right. She's a statistician. Well, you know, you gotta do something to keep the keep the fans in trouble. So that'll do it for us. Oh, we're still recording. All right, see you next Thursday. Bye bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Troy Bozen and Jason Stewart. We are a proud member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our shows, including the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, Horror Podcasts, the Slasher Sanitarium and the Shadowvane Podcast, as well as the rest of our shows, Taco Tuesday, Words of Geekdom, Pwn Stars, the Reanimator Podcast, and Nerds CTLR all at questandnetwork.com and tune in next week for an all new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.